0: all right murph i know last year during halloween time you were very scared and an illusory wall haunted us uh-huh. With Castlevania 3.
1: No longer frightened of illusory walls. I'm way more frightened yep. of dudes new, named Lucas.
0: Okay, yes. There is there is no chance a person named Lucas will show up. You're safe. I promise. Okay. Huh?
2: Absolutely not.
0: What's that at the door? Hello. <laughs> oh, hey, Lucas. How's it going?
2: It's going great. Boah! Probably. Probably. <laughs>
0: Don't mind, Murph. Tell us about yourself
2: uh yeah, is this is the, the the intro part um yes, yeah. yes, my name is Lucas, uh, and I write words on the internet about video games, and I'm kinda old, uh, so go. I've been doing it for a while, yeah, um, Where
0: might we find some of your work?
2: Sure, uh, right now, mostly at shack news um. Ooh. In the past, Prima Games, uh, Silicon Era, uh, Shonen Jump, so on and so forth. Now,
0: more importantly, what kind of video games do you play?
2: Mostly ones from Japan. Um, It just kind of worked out that way, yeah. It's just like a vibe that has kind of, you know, built itself over so many years.
0: I can tell it's R like obviously you like RPGs, but what else like is is it specifically RPGs or is it a much broader? I like Japanese games.
2: I think it like kind of started as RPGs, but over time it's like I got into like the character action games and like stuff like uh, the game we're talking about today. Um, yep, and it's and it's. It's hard to put my finger on sometimes, but like, you know, like, especially these days, you can tell if you're playing, you know, a Japanese game, um, mm-hmm. e- even though like the, the genres and everything, there's a whole, uh, kaleidoscope, I guess, but it's just like something about the, uh, the way they're like animated, uh, like the way the mechanics work. There's, there's just like, you know, you can kind of tell
0: there's a different design approach. Just yeah. like in general, yeah, definitely.
1: Japanese so. games tend to be gamier. Does that make yeah. sense? I agree with that. Yeah.
2: that. yeah, makes a lot of sense. Yeah.
1: But as an older fellow, do you do you like? Is the draw like what was there to hook you at the beginning into, like the the games from the east?
2: Was it? That's a great question.
1: Did it start with like the NES period? Like you're getting your Final Fantasies and your. Your original Castlevanias.
2: It's funny because I was like a Nintendo kid for a long time. Mm. Uh, Super Nintendo.
1: They and are Japanese.
2: So, <laughs> yeah, but, but like not as like... Yeah, um, they're, they're, yeah. their
1: mascot is Italian. It's less niche. Yeah. yeah, exactly.
2: It's more like, you know, you could, you could be forgiven for thinking they're from Italy, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, like mostly, mostly Nintendo. So like the like the obvious stuff like Mario and blah blah blah, and then just somewhere along the way, I hit like RPGs. So the obvious stuff like Final Fantasy, um, and then like weird stuff like Evil Zone for the PlayStation. For some reason, that game
1: they're very good at weird chord, stuff man. over there.
2: Yeah, yeah. We <laughs> call the, the the sicko stuff nowadays. I, I like the, the sicko. The good is that shit right? Is yeah. The,
0: the dank shit. is what <laughs> like, it, calls it.
2: Give me, give me Gungrave over, you know, oh. Gears of War or whatever.
0: There you go. That, that, uh, that's the type
2: of thing I'm rolling with.
0: But what about Dragon Quest 2?
2: What about Dragon Quest 2? Uh,
1: it was on the list. I saw the list. Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> it was titled um,
1: Dragon Warrior 2 when initially localized to in North America.
2: True. And, like, the second or third time, too.
1: Is um, what was
0: the what was the purpose for this? What you playing? Like, are you a yeah. Dragon Warrior fan or Dragon Quest fan? And like, looking back on it, or have you played this a bunch?
2: So I got an analog pocket recently.
1: Oh, yeah. that will do it. Yeah. yeah,
2: and I don't have like a ton of Game Boy carts lying around for various reasons, but I do have a Dragon Quest shelf or a shrine, mm-hmm. maybe. Um. And I've had this stack of Game Boy carts that I haven't really played super seriously. So I was just kind of like, I got this analog pocket. I'll drop a Dragon Warrior 1 and 2 in there and see what happens.
1: Hmm. So why those ones specifically? Because whenever I hear people talk about Dragon Quest, it always seems to start with three onwards, because isn't that when more more Toriyama elements got inserted into the games?
2: 3 was just, like, a more fleshed-out kind of thing. Like, it had a job system. Okay. Um, and that was, like, a big deal at the time. Um, and arguably, it kind of had more of, like, a story, but I, I think it's usually just, like, the the control you have over it is what brought people to it, like, originally. Hmm. Um, I think in this case, it was just kind of an arbitrary decision. Like, I played... Dragon Quest 1 and 2, like, on NES and, like, mobile and Switch a little bit. But I hadn't really played the Game Boy version, so I was just like, oh, what the hell, I'll, I'll start with these. Um,
1: Are you one of those people that, like, sometimes, very rarely, I'll see a division between Dragon Quest fans and Final Fantasy fans? Now, your Discord avatar is Cloud Strife, so I'm wondering if there may be some... But you said you had a shrine to Dragon Quest. It's
2: not just not just Cloud Strife. Cloud Strife in front of a Butterfinger bar. Oh, that That's is really what that
1: important. is. <laughs> oh my goodness!
2: Uh, I wanted to have a gimmick at one point uh, when I was doing a little more stuff like this uh, on the regular, where I would have like a different, weird Final Fantasy food crossover thing as like my avatar. Or okay. So so I've got You're like just the, doing the, KFC the Pepsi. Then. Yeah, exactly. I there, have, was a, at PAX, there was a there a weird one where it was like frozen vegetables or something for Final Fantasy VII remake that was okay. really funny, but I never got around to that. Go ahead. At,
1: at PAX, I wore a shirt that was Sora from Kingdom Hearts standing outside a Seven Eleven. That's the vibe. That's the vibe. Yeah,
2: it's good stuff. Just the uh, you never, especially like. Growing up as, like, I guess an elder millennial or whatever, you that kind of crossover was so much more rare than it is now,
1: mm-hmm.
2: you know what I mean? Like, like you, I never would have, even though like Final Fantasy 7 did have like you know Pepsi and whatever else, it's just like seeing that in real life is still weird to me,
1: yeah. Like, what which was it was lightning that was uh, like a clothes deal or she was like a virtual model for something.
2: Yeah. She was like on a, Oh God, I know exactly what you're talking about. It was similar to like the Jojo guy where he, he had deals with, uh, great. Now I'm forgetting. Fashion, Vogue. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff yeah, like yeah. that. Yeah. That was weird. Um, and, uh, that just reminded me out of nowhere of, uh, the main character of Spirits Within being in Maxim Magazine. <laughs>
0: oh my gosh. I, oh. <laughs> remember man, now
2: remember it's like, when
0: like magazines did that? Like Blood Rain was in Playboy. Uh, remember? That was wild. They that was March like, Simpson I want to say... Play. That's wild. Mm-hmm.
2: That was only like a one or two year period, but man, that was so weird. I like,
0: I like how that was the period where I was like no, we're taking game, games very seriously
1: now. They games can advertise. Like- <laughs>
2: I think it was around when, like, BMX XXX was almost a thing. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, it was... It was. Yeah. PlayStation Magazine was a not a fun time at that period. <laughs> um, but yeah, now, like, you go into Kroger and there's, like, Naruto on the cup noodles boxes, <laughs> like, he's Mickey Mouse, you know? Yeah. Nope. It was just, like, you know, 20-something years ago, it was just, like... Not would of I mean maybe you'll see like Sonic the Hedgehog on the Spaghettios or whatever. But.
1: Is that the other factor to the the fascination with Japanese games is once upon a time they were more obscure and mysterious?
2: Probably. Like
1: I still think they can be.
0: Like I did yeah. not hear of Lucas's second game
2: until he said <laughs> Yeah, that that's why I was hesitating to admit in public I was playing it. Um, but yeah, but yeah, it's like they were back in the, back then they were like kind of had that mysteriousness to it. It was like anything that wasn't Pokemon was kind of like weird and I hesitate to say underground, but it's like, you kind of gradually saw that stuff become more and more popular.
0: Well, half the time you had to like buy imports from a convention. You know what I mean? Like stuff like that.
2: Yeah. You had to go to the weird
1: corner of Blockbuster.
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And it yeah. was always like, the the people running that place didn't quite understand yet. So you'd have mm-hmm. you know Dragon Ball, and then you'd have like Bible Black DVDs or whatever, <laughs> all on the same shelf. Yeah. Bad times.
0: But, but, but they are totally suitable for the
1: whole family. Of they course. both have it's, balls. It all looks
2: the same. This is uh, <laughs> Japanese cartoons. You just put them all on the same shelf. It's and,
1: the Japanimation. You know.
2: Let parents and God sort it out.
1: Hey, you Uh, know what genre Japan had a heavy influence in? Cyberpunk. I'm trying to transition right now. Oh, God.
0: You tried so hard. I have replayed Cyberpunk 2077. And uh, you may be asking, Brogan, didn't you already play this in January? Yes, I did. But it was different back then. I promise. You were a younger man. I was a younger man. And also the game was worse. Uh, There was a patch that happened with the Phantom Liberty uh, DLC, which basically revamped large portions of the game's design specifically tech trees but they also revamped a lot of how driving works and they also Mm -hmm. revamped like uh stuff like the police so the police function much more like a grand theft auto type thing which makes the city feel more alive Mm -hmm. so like all those things really added up to a very unique experience and i especially liked um the leveling system now like the leveling system is actually fun and encourages a lot of different modes of play. They kept some good things from before, but there's a lot of new stuff too.
1: Now, is this like a, like a no man's sky situation where they've just released this big update that, I don't know, in a way redeems the initial launch, or do you still feel like they're like scrounging to get what the original dream of cyberpunk was?
0: Okay, all right. So I feel like the original dream and the original selling point is never happening. That's not, you know, that's not gonna be it. But the game is, I would say, full and something that. people would actually want to play and is good literally the way they advertise phantom liberty like they got idris elba to look into the camera for a commercial and say in his final lines in the two minute commercial the game is fixed (laughs) And
2: oh my god
0: (laughs) wow and and i think that does sum up what patch 2.0 does i won't talk about phantom liberty until next go around but i will say the game feels good instead of like overlooking things or being like yeah you know blah 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 this game is like unambiguously fun now for multiple ways that it wasn't before like in January, I was overlooking some things. I was like, I see something there. There's some potential. And here it really allows it to pop. Um, this is my second playthrough. So, like, I was already getting tired of especially the early story missions. Even though there are multiple origins and stuff. I was like, eh. But also, once I got into the newer mechanics and stuff, I was caring more about the story. And uh, there mm. are some really good performances here and stuff. So, that, that was a good lesson for me. I heard they
1: patched out Elon Musk (laughs) (laughs) because there used to be a thing in one of the intros where he would walk in while you're in the bathroom and look in the mirror, then leave.
0: (laughs) Apparently, while Grimes was recording her cameo in Cyberpunk, Elon went in with a flintlock pistol and threatened or not threatened, but he was like, yo, put me in this game. And that's what they did. And they regret it. And I agree it was a big regret
2: it was like his twitter sync moment (laughs) yeah that's his canon i have two questions about cyberpunk go ahead i'll Um, answer them so were you like anticipating cyberpunk like on the way to it coming out
0: Mm, okay no Okay. No. The an- short answer is no. I was interested. I looked at it from a glance. I was never bought into the hype of the initial trailer. I never do that. I don't. I thought, oh, Keanu Reeves, cyberpunk, and I had like seen the TTRPG before because it was a tabletop earlier, and I I w- thought that was really cool. But like, mm-hmm. no, I was not like invested. I've never played the Witcher games, so CD mm-hmm. Projekt Red was never sacred in my book
2: okay perfect so my second question is do you feel like there was this massive wave of like anguish over the game not being very good at least in terms of like you know social media and whatnot like i feel like something like no man's sky was like oh that's weird how bad it is it's because of all the marketing and everything. And then it was like, okay, it's bad. And then I think time passes and it comes in. But with cyberpunk, it was like, why isn't this good? And I don't know if like, I was just perceiving it that way.
0: No, I think or... I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I saw no man's, I saw people legitimately bummed about no man's sky. I think that's a weirder scenario because it was always going to be downscaled because it was like a smaller game but like, I saw disappointment in that, and so when you're at saying that mm-hmm. about Cyberpunk, I was like, "Oh my god, I saw that everywhere." It was a botched launch, and then a lot of people really wanted this game to be good, and there were good things to it. So like, when mm-hmm. that happens, you start to defend the game in weird ways. But it was, oh, it was a shit. I show. think it was
1: a shit. Th- show. The difference between No Man's Sky and Cyberpunk is No Man's Sky, um, Hello Games was just blatantly lying about a lot of stuff mm-hmm. like they thought we were going to be in the game that they were going to put in the game and they ultimately didn't like there was an entire website titled one man's lie right, cataloging right. all the things they just lied about in interviews and stuff and you know that's mm-hmm. not up for interpretation they did just flat out lie um and then they redeemed themselves with several uh, major updates free updates down the line which is good uh, whereas with Cyberpunk, it wasn't so much what the devs were saying in interviews so much as the reputation that CD Projekt Red had accumulated that by that point. Because The mm. Witcher <laughs> 3 was, like, this huge titanic game that people were like, this is, this is the good AAA game. This one's good, you know? This right. does what all the other ones are too afraid to do. And so there was this idea that, like, oh, they're making, like, a from the ground up cyberpunk game it's going to be the game that saves video games cuz CD Project Red <laughs> is developing it you know yeah, Keanu yeah, Reeves
0: yeah. is literally saving triple A gaming
1: yeah exactly but... but like when they like when they revealed they had Keanu it's like oh my god they got Keanu money this game's going to be huge <laughs> And then everyone with a PS4 watched their PS4 explode trying to play it. <laughs>
0: Honestly, they shouldn't have put it on those consoles. And I think even now it's weird when AAA games try to do cuz cuz now it's much more weirder with the Xbox stuff where it's like, yeah, we're re- we're releasing these for these older consoles and it's very clearly struggling for performance. Mm-hmm. It's just weird.
2: I remember like the wildest part of that being like for a hot minute it was, like, the Stadia version that was, like, the most stable <laughs> and functional.
1: Yeah. R.I.P. Stadia. R.I.P. How's Keanu in the game? Is he better the second time around? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, they did not patch Keanu to be better, if that's what the question yeah. meant. You know, you know who's looking like uh, Keanu Reeves more and more? Alan Wake... Mm-hmm. There you go, alright, you try <laughs> Tell me about Alan Wake, I've played this
0: game before So go ahead
1: I imagine most people have uh, I'm just late to the party on this uh, like Several. You years...
0: missed out on 360 games
1: right? I did, but I've had Alan Wake mm-hmm. I started Alan Wake And I got right up to the last chapter And I was like, oh, I'm gonna beat this for Halloween And then Halloween came and went And I didn't And so it's just been sitting there for a while So I replayed it from the start And I finished it uh, just earlier today um,
2: the original or the remaster? The
1: original. I, I don't have the okay. remaster. That, that's on Epic. I bought Alan Wake um, literally just before, if you remember this, when it was getting taken off of Steam. Because mm-hmm. the uh, like the music mm-hmm. licensing or something like that had relapsed. And so it was being pulled from Steam. So I was like, oh, I got to buy this before I can't get it in, again on PC. Uh, right. So that's when I bought it, and I just finished it. Um, I, Alan Wake is one of those ones that seem like, as someone that never had a 360 PS3, seems like a defining game of that gen, like up there with Infamous in my mind. Like that game just seemed, it seemed like such a fresh concept. It seemed like such a PS3, Xbox 360 type game, if if what I'm saying makes sense.
0: It does, it one hundred percent. To me, it plays like it. Like I played the remaster, I think last year, and it, it, I just in design, it felt like a three
1: hundred and sixty PS three game. Yeah, it's I'm
2: very post Resident Evil four mm, in a yes. lot of ways. Yeah. yeah,
1: it's the most. It's probably like the best. We're trying to be a video game, but also like a movie slash TV show game. I've played. Where I like how it kind of does. It's
0: like episode or like the segments of storytelling. Yeah. Remedy
1: is so good at making these levels that just feel like actual places. I have been to Mm -hmm. like, like in Alan wake. There's a bit where you can just pop into a, uh, in one of the levels, you can just pop into a library and upstairs. There's like a kids section where they have all this like unique art of these library mascot characters being like, read your books. There's nothing up there but it makes sense for their, for this small town library to have a kids section. Um, yeah. And that just kind of goes along with a lot of the level design. It feels very grounded, even though it's dealing with this like larger-than-life concept of this writer has written a horror story and is now living it. Yeah. I think...
2: Very, very much made by Stephen King sickos.
1: So uh-huh. Oh, yeah. But even then, that's like a... The narrative is so neat in how it makes that, like, a meta aspect of, like, this is how a horror story has to go. This is how it has to be written. It's mm-hmm. it's deliberately trope-filled, um, because that's how, you, for for lack of being able to explain the plot of Alan Wake, which I assume most people have played, um, it's playing with the ideas of narrative and how a narrative has to go a particular way for a story to have a satisfying conclusion.
2: Yeah.
1: And I just found that uh very neat. I think um I really like Did it excite you more for the sequel? It does. Like, are you, I, like... I'm more yeah. interested in getting the sequel now, like which comes out very soon, uh than I was at the start of this week when I had just started the game. Um yeah. And I like the combat design. I feel like they don't do enough with it. It feels like there's only like three or so tricks you can do at any given time. And towards the end, the combat encounters get really drawn out and just repetitive. Like by the time mm-hmm. you're on your third boss that's like a vehicle trying to run you over, it's like, okay, <laughs> do you have any other ideas for this concept?
2: Yeah. yeah. You only no. do so much with a flashlight.
1: Yep. Um, also, I don't, Think this game really needed platforming or puzzle elements it's i don't play alan wake and think hmm this needs a jump button you know yeah
0: yeah i was gonna say sometimes the level design like when it's like the actual grounded environment it makes sense but sometimes especially like with how the enemy encounters work and stuff it obviously it feels intentionally like and then this happened and like that That nice jump scare for a horror. But I don't know, man. Sometimes it also just feels...
1: This is not a scary game. I was not scared, like, even remotely playing Alan Wake. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 (laughs) Alan Wake's neat because, at least for me, like, there's a very small handful of games that I feel like kind of experimented with, like, what text looks like in a video game. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like relevant to, I guess, the, the story. Um, by that, I mean like, uh, you, you have those moments where you're just sitting there reading, um, and it's, it's like, actually, I, I don't know how to say this without sounding kind of snobby, but it's actually like authored writing, you know what I mean? Like it, it's, it is writing, writing, um, whereas like a lot of games of that time you would encounter that kind of text in, like, codex entries or whatever. And those are... It just, has a
1: personality. Those... It pops. Yeah. Um, whereas exactly. a lot of, like, lore documents you pick up in games similar to this are just very expository. And they don't really feel exactly. like they're written by a character.
2: I was going to say, like, uh, the only, like, two other games I can think of really did that was, like, Lost Odyssey and uh, a game called Murdered Soul Suspect, which flopped so hard it bankrupted the developer i know that was, one. Like, oh, is that actually that good kind of, yeah yeah i mean it, like it's fine um but it's it's full of that kind of thing where you like find you know a thing to read but it, it like reads like a you know an author wrote it mm. instead of just like a video game yeah chunk of writing uh, it, it's kind of hard to explain but like it's very similar you get that kind of vibe and mm. I don't think I, uh, aside from those three games, I can't think of anything else that's really tried to do that. No, my
0: favorite, my favorite bit of the Alan Wake writing is, is it's like you guys were saying with the lore documents thing is, is like, it's number one, it's not dry. It's, it's like well written, but also sometimes because of like how the dynamic of the game works, you're reading something that just happened. You're reading something before, and
1: then you're reading something that hasn't happened yet. And you're like, Oh fuck. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Re- That's the best. Part. Remedy is just very good at getting you to engage in the text of the game, um, like this and Control are one of the few games where I will like just stop and watch a just a video on a screen happen. Like in Alan Wake, you can turn on TVs and watch episodes of like this Twilight Zone ripoff show, and they're always yeah. they're always engaging. And it does it is it like dropping breadcrumbs and clues about the nature of the story of alan wake not really it's just kind of world building and that's mm-hmm. that's very the texture of it is so nice and digestible you, you know I what other they're... textures are nice and
0: digestible
2: oh no
1: the jackbox party pack 10 uh i was given a review code for this after doing a closed doors beta at pax they like you. Do they like you? I they that, they like me. On? They really like me. Oh. Um Jackbox 10 I think is one of their better packs and I'm going to say two packs. I wasn't too hot on 9, I wasn't too hot on 8. I think this has 3 to 4 out of 5 really good games.
0: That's good. That's a good. That's a good batting average.
1: And it's also got a good uh mixture of the games. So you have a you have a sequel to TKO which is just sort of your Mm. generic, like, party game, let's say, and draw some stupid stuff. But they give you some additional options for drawing. Uh, The drawing is done like their game, Champed Up, where you have a pen for drawing outlines and then a highlighter for filling in. Um, You can also choose different types of T-shirt, like a T-shirt, a sweatshirt, or a tank top, and then you can change the font up of the text. And that can get some good comedy out of it.
2: I can see that, yeah. Uh, the... um, yeah. I was I was just gonna ask, uh, and feel free to like table this for a second. But I am so curious what a closed door demonstration of a Jackbox game is like.
1: They pull you aside into a conference room, and then they close the doors, and then they boot up Jackbox Ten, and you play the game with everyone else there.
2: Okay, cool. It was like there's there's. Three or four ways this can go, <laughs> and some of them sound way more awkward than. Yeah. Sometimes I they close the doors should... <laughs> and then
0: break your kneecaps.
2: <laughs> like, what if you like play it by yourself? Oh, no, well no, There's no. like PR people just staring at
1: you. Yeah. Um. Well, it's the other game they have a uh, fixie text. This is your sort of goofy um, excuse to write the word "come" over and over again. Game. There you go. Mm-hmm, uh, kind mm-hmm. of like classic, yeah. Kind of like job, job. A couple uh, uh, packs ago. What this is is that you are doing text messages. You're put into te- you're split into teams, and you guys place your cursor. Uh, you'll be given like a di- like a uh, a text you need to fix or to spice up. Um, and you guys plonk your cursors down and you just type in to fix it, but you don't have a backspace and you don't have a delete button and you can't see where the other players are typing. <laughs> so it's just chaos. It's just word salad. It's just uh, now vowels and consonants getting crunched together. And then when the round is over, a robot voice reads it back. And that's funny. That's pretty good. So, wow. And then everyone votes on their favorite words. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, that, that sounds a little
0: bit like a Cards Against Humanity thing where it's like lowest common denominator stuff.
1: Yeah. Uh, then we got the uh, the trivia game of the pack, which I think is one of their better in a wild time jinx. Uh, this one is all time-based uh, questions. So it will be like something along the lines of what year was dracula published and it will give you a range like it's between this year and this year and you plonk it in and however close you are that's the amount of points you get and it's like golf you're going for lower points because you're closer to the correct date Mm -hmm. and then it will uh do a lot of different like fun in between rounds like you're at a party in the year 2000s. What game show that just premiered should you be talking about? Jeopardy, who wants to be a millionaire, or you bet your life? And it's like you're supposed to say who wants to be a millionaire because that, that just premiered, you know? Um, wow. I think I it's see. it's got a good variety of different rounds, and it's something I could like put on for people that aren't really into some of the more creative-oriented Jackbox games, but, like, like enjoy a good trivia game. Um, this is also one of the packs, I don't know when they started doing this, but there's a toggle where you can filter out more U.S.-centered questions. Um, and that's that's good for us, who play with a lot of international friends, who are like... What the hell is the Jersey Shore? Why are we getting questions about this? I have no purchase on this. Jersey
0: Shore is an American institution. <laughs> it's culturally significant. You know.
1: Well, where where's Jersey Shore babies?
0: <laughs> I guess with the situation. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Um, Continue. The other game that's sort of... Uh, it, it really depends. This is the It Really Depends game, and it's a game they've been trying to do since Jackbox 3, uh, they told me, is Do-Re-Mi. Do do re mi This is a rhythm game um, where mm. you can pick from a variety of public domain songs like Row, Row Your Boat, Flight of the Bumblebee, and The Hall of the Mountain King, even some other Jackbox tracks, and then you each pick an instrument, and then you just do a straight up guitar hero game on your phone. Oh. And some instruments... How does that work out? E- <laughs> and that's, e- that's where the eh factor comes in, because uh, depending on your instrument, and they're ranked from easy to very hard, you get more frets, like more lanes you have to tap on. Mm. Um, and when the round is over, it will play back your track... With everyone's like instruments, like as they tapped, like thrown in. Oh man! And it's supposed to be. That sounds funny. It's supposed to be funny because some of the instruments are like constant screaming, cowbell, fart noises, you know. But it just, mm. it just sounds like a bunch of kids with a soundboard just pushing buttons. Like it's not. It never comes out as like any sort of cohesive melody. So basically what you're saying is
0: my music in high school. I get it, Murph. Yeah, yeah. (laughs)
1: Um, And uh, it's just one of those things where I wish a Jackbox rhythm game wasn't just a straightforward rhythm game, you know? Like, there's no Mm. twist on it, really, other than, ooh, you've got some wacky instruments.
2: I feel like if they did something almost like Trombone Hero... That would Uh be really, like, legitimately funny.
1: That was the disappointing Uh, part because, um, if you miss a note, it doesn't play, like, any sort of failed note in the playback. It's just a blank, like, Mm. note. It doesn't play any sound. Mm. So it's not even like you get some sort of, like, bad cacophony of music. Um, And the final game, which is sort of the hardest one to figure out, is Hypnotorious. Um... This is a very... It's a good name, though. This is a very pop culture-focused game where you all will be assigned an identity. So, for instance, um, in the round we did, I was assigned Neytiri from Avatar. Um, And you will all answer... You're not supposed to tell anyone else what your identity is, but you're all part of, like, three categories um, of character... And you will be answering questions, trying to give clues about who your character is, and then in between rounds, you'll try to sort each other into different jars to figure out what the categories you are. Did that make sense? (laughs)
0: Is it, the way you described it to me, I vaguely understood it, as it's like the note card game where you put the index card on the thing and you're guessing that sort of thing. Yes, but you
1: don't know what the category is, you don't know what the other players are, you only know who you are and what the other players are hinting to you are. So it's meant to be this collaborative game, but also you're trying to be a bit coy with it for reasons that are Oh, have you ever played
0: this, have you ever played this card game called, like, I think it's like Codenames. It, it functions Codenames, like that. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. yeah, it
1: sounds like that. So so in that round where I was Neytiri, there was another character who was Genie from Aladdin, another who was Papa Smurf, and another who was, um, I think, uh, what was it, what was it?
0: Big Daddy
1: Smurf. No, the it baby. was. I think it was like Santa Claus or something like that. And the thing was, is that sure. three of us were blue characters, and that was the category. Mm. And then the guy who was Santa Claus was the outlier. Uh, you know? And that was what we were meant to figure out. Um, in the demo I did at PAX, the categories were Halloween and Christmas, but my my identity was place card. And that's because my, I was the outlier and my category was weddings.
0: Oh, that's so weird. Huh.
1: So it's just something like, and I, I was like struggling to think of like, how do I answer questions as a place card? You know? Yeah.
0: Um, yeah. It, it, it functions differently because it's an entirely separate like c- category concept. Yet.
1: Yeah. And if you're that's the cool. outlier, you don't know you're the outlier but you you yeah. get points if people like sort into a category with you.
0: Mm, I see.
1: So it's just it's just a weird sort of social deduction game. I think it could have gotten a like a second pass or so. I think it's the weakest game out of the pack even above the rhythm one cuz the rhythm ones at least like functional as a rhythm game. I don't really know what they're going for with this one. Yeah. But uh but but overall solid uh
0: solid opinions on this party yeah i
1: think i think three out of five ain't bad says meatloaf
0: nope Nope. and you know something out of these five you could call this an omega quintet uh you could actually because a quintet is five yeah i i was saving that one i was saving it
2: that was pretty good (laughs)
0: lucas tell us about omega quintet
2: where do i start Okay. Oh. Um, okay. What is this uh, game? Tell me what this game yeah. is. Do I are either of y'all familiar with Compile Heart? No. Okay. Uh, Hyperdimension Neptunia. Yes. Nef-nef? I have seen that. Okay. All right. So that gives you a little st- runway. Um. So Compile Heart is this company that makes these kind of like, uh, ostensibly low budget, very like otaku audience-friendly RPG games. Um, And it's always really hard to get a handle on, like, what their reputation actually is. Um,
0: But... In terms of what?
2: Just, like, I think people just don't know if it's, like, you know, one of those, like...
1: Is it ironic
2: yeah, like, I think people can't really tell. Like, is it, is it ironic? Is it, like, a weird game for horny nerds? Is it just, like... Is this Senran Run crappy... No- it, it, like, it almost, like, kind of dips into similar things, but a little more, like, piss-takey about it. It's, it's hard to explain, but... Um, so, just just going
1: uh, off the Wikipedia description... A hybrid between an idle simulation game and a role-playing action game.
2: Yeah. So, like, what Compile Heart games do that I think is interesting, and, and I don't think I ever would have played any of these games if I wasn't, like, in the industry and coming up when these games were coming up. Mm-hmm. Therefore, you write for a Tiny Baby Website. These are the games that you definitely get codes for.
1: <laughs> fair enough, um, fair enough, yeah. Yeah.
2: But, like, over the years, I kind of these games kind of grew on me and a lot of it is because like they're generally turn-based but they 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 add these like layers of complexity on top of like standard turn-based combat um in a way i think it's more interesting than like timing mini games or whatever Mm -hmm. um and they're, they're especially like heavily combo oriented um so, like, for example, in a Neptunia game, you have, like, three tiers of attack, and you kind of fill out multiple slots for each tier, and then when you're building on a combo, you can, like, jump up and down the tiers to make more complicated combos, and there's stagger bars and all this nonsense. Um, but it's all still, like, turn-based. Like, take your time, think about what you're doing, you're not in a rush, you're not having to do timingy stuff um so in this game the the central gimmick is like as your characters get better they get more um actions basically so you go from like the beginning of the game your person gets one attack to later on in the game they can have like five or more depending on conditions um and then you've got like skills that it's just like regular casting magic or whatever um but then on occasions you can sort of press the like everything button and that's when you can sort of start uh interacting between your characters so like if you use specific skills in a specific order across different characters then you can sort of almost alchemize like a totally different super powerful fun flashy skill um yeah so so it's just like they just like just add stuff on top um in a way that i guess is just really fun to tinker around with so i'm because there's never really like a you have to do it this way or like did you you use the playstation
1: move controller
2: no not at all oh wait wait do i use it like, just in general?
1: Or no. It says or, it's... Or for this game. Yeah, it looks like it was compatible with the move.
2: Oh, I... No, I was just using buttons. Um, wow. I'm playing it on PS5, uh, for what it's worth. Um, yeah, and then, like, so the whole idol gimmick thing is mostly just, like, the premise. It's like, there's monsters blowing up the world, and the only things that can stop them are these pop music girls. And, uh-huh, uh-huh.
1: Taylor's all the time really.
2: Exactly. Um but I guess like the big gimmick there which I don't really mess with is you can like kind of create your own like P V concert videos in a way that's almost comparable to like uh putting an entrance together in like a WWE game.
1: <laughs> okay. Is the music yeah. good for being a game focused on music?
2: Um it definitely has a lot more like, uh, like production value, like vocal music, mm-hmm. um, whereas like a lot a lot of games from this company, um, they're just kind of like kind of kind of stuff. But this one is like okay, there's like actual like pop music tracks that the voice cast is singing and so on and so forth.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, um, now Lucas, this is this is a safe place. So, uh, you sure. can be honest uh, with us. Are you just playing this game for the combat, or is the story getting to you? The plot!
2: No, that, that's <laughs> the thing that, like... So, like, uh, the Neptunia games are ostensibly, like, parodies of, like, the game industry. Uh-huh. Like, as a whole. So, like, the original game is basically about, like, uh, the consoles as nation-states fighting against like a evil character literally called R4, but like spelled out. Okay. So it's like, uh, evil piracy. blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Um, and and then they kind of get more complicated and, 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 uh, uh, insular as they go on. And, um, this one's more just kind of like bubble gummy. Like it doesn't really seem to be trying to tell a joke or anything particular. It's just kind of like, happy-go-lucky, I guess. Um,
1: okay, did you so play... Like, I, um, I think I just
2: started it to like... Oh, go ahead. Did you
1: play, what was it, Fire Emblem F-Sharp or whatever, the the Persona Fire Emblem crossover? That's uh, Tokyo Mirage. Hell Tokyo yes, Mirage yes I played that game. That was it.
2: Yeah, that game rules.
1: Okay, in terms of a, a pop idol JRPG uh, that, that's superior to this?
2: Well, it it depends on what you want. Okay. Do you want do you, do you want the pop idol stuff to be more just like part of the vibe, or do you want to actually go in there and like be the manager?
1: I oh you know what I mean yeah I can be the manager.
2: Yeah, you you direct your music videos. You know.
1: Okay, I see. Yeah. I see. So
2: so it's like more like I don't know.
0: No, I, mean, I do I not think, want a to, ca- casting couch. Unfortunately, <laughs>
2: uh, there is no casting couch, and I'm very grateful for that because oh, you goodness. know, <laughs> you you wouldn't you see a game like that, you probably wouldn't put it past it to have something like that. But thankfully, but it's
0: tasteful, it, right? Like, as, how far are you in it?
2: Pretty far. Uh, I want to say like over halfway through, um, and I'm definitely kind of feeling kind of sunk, costy about it. You know, like mm-hmm. I put a lot of time into it gotta um, see it through yeah yeah i think like if i was you know doing it for work i probably would have been like i think i've i've seen enough by <laughs> right now but um yeah i'm having fun like kind of tinkering with the the systems like it's it's weird because i have um pretty like serious adhd um and it has—it's it's the kind that goes undiagnosed for multiple decades. But like, yeah. Uh, but like, I bring this up because like that really can impact the way I like interact with certain kinds of games. Sure. Um, especially like grinding because I like RPGs so much. So it's like there will be a, a certain way a game will do something that I just like can't stomach to play anymore. Like my brain just hates it. Or How does the it's something, ADHD?
1: Like, I, I gotta know that go in in that I don't, he was just taken by the darkness. I, he, he vanished. I,
2: did 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 he get norted? I,
1: <laughs> I don't. The ADHD got him.
2: Yeah. Um. Jeez. But, but but yeah, basically, it's like if if there's a lot of grinding in a game, and it hits this like sweet spot mm. where it's like. When it, it's not demanding too much, but it's interesting.
1: We we have a term on not... this podcast we call uh the podcasting games. The games that yeah. you can play while listening to literally anything else, and you just find the time passes away and suddenly you're at the level you need to continue playing.
2: Kinda. I mean, that's definitely like Dragon Quest for me. That's my like ultimate like the the pacing of, like, you know, like, the experience scaling, if you will, like, feels good, so I'm not... Like, I never feel like if I'm grinding, I'm grinding because I just want to go out and, you know, build up money to get equipment earlier than I should or something. Like, I don't feel forced to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I can... I think it's also why, like, I'll... I'm sorry, I totally interrupted you, but...
1: Oh, no. Uh, um, As someone with diagnosed ADHD... Um I can definitely speak to and Brogan can uh agree with oh. me that I've been I get very nettly about games that uh I in my perception waste my time with needless. Is nettily a word? Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to get nettled to get nettly. Okay. Continue. <laughs> um, about about games that, that waste my time with uh, needless grinding or, or getting in the way of the narrative I am invested in.
2: Yeah. Like for me, something like a timed hit system, like in a Mario RPG mm-hmm. or Sea of Stars, like that really throws me off because it's like you got to be I awake. Yeah, I don't want to be on constantly when I'm like just fighting normal battles.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I can definitely, uh, I can definitely yeah. understand that.
2: Yeah. Um. Well, yeah.
1: Well, are we ready uh, for uh, the variety? Are we? Re- well,
0: you said it, not me. Let's do it. time this week's variety minute is the castlevania timeline now if we went full nitty-gritty on this and this is also a different kind of variety minute here but if we went full nitty-gritty we'd be here like an hour
2: forever yeah
0: we'd be here yeah we'd be here forever um so we're gonna be a little brisk at this but let me just get a get a vibe here how do you all feel about how castlevania does time
1: it's a bit uh now as someone that's only played three and a half Castlevania games, mm-hmm. um, but I'm aware of them. I'm aware of ones down the line and such. It always struck me as a little Assassin's Creed before Assassin's Creed, like doing different time periods and sort of updating the imagery, um and such of certain entries to give them their own unique flavor. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I agree. It feels very like this. Maybe a hot take, though, is sometimes I
0: feel like they don't fully utilize the time period. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Like, I mean, I it's kind of hard to do it for like especially the earlier ones. So we start with Lament of Innocence, 1094 AD. Um, this That's is your right. this is the PlayStation 2 game, uh <laughs> starring Leon Belmont. And uh It's a fun game. Um, You know, this starts everything where the vampire killer becomes the legacy weapon and all that. I like Leon as a character. He looks like the inverse Dante to me.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a good point.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think that was definitely intentional because I think 3D Castlevania... Has no idea what it's doing, and every time they make it, they're making it based on a more popular series. Same with Lords of Shadow for God of War. You <laughs> know what I mean? It's just like, <laughs> oh, this is this is what's working. Um, but yeah, and then after that, we finally hit uh, Castlevania Three: Dracula's Curse. Um, with Trevor Belmont, we've done we've done this before. Um, the first real appearance of Dracula. Right. Um, right. And then we have Curse of Darkness. Lucas, what do you think of Curse of Darkness?
2: Uh, it's weird. Um, I think it's really cool how like the Netflix series bar, like takes so heavily from it. Yeah. Um I, I don't have a ton of opinion on it as like a game. No. <laughs> but but like I think it's interesting. I I think it's cool. Like I feel like the Castlevania timeline benefits very heavily. From it mostly being like one guy <laughs> made it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yep. Yeah.
0: It should be noted that like, even though he's not like the creator of the series or whatever, that this current canon quote unquote tam- timeline is like pretty much curated by Igarashi, the guy yeah. who did the later um Vania games and uh he weeded out some of the silly ones or ones that don't really work so this is Mm -hmm. a pretty consistent timeline and curse of darkness does tie in a lot with castlevania 3 like trevor shows up and all of that and i do think it did really good writing like isaac is 10 times better in the show than he is in the game Mm -hmm. um i don't know I'm not going to lie. Every time I play Castlevania the Adventure and Castlevania 2 Belmont's Revenge, these are the Game Boy games. 1576 AD and 1591 AD. I have not beaten these games. I'm, I never really gel with them.
2: Uh, the first one is just awful. It's just a trash game. Like, <laughs> it's not there's fun. No, yeah, it's bad. The second one's like way better. Um, but I haven't beaten it because when you fight, uh, what's his name? Soleil? at the end it's just like impossible
0: so so the story murph is is that christopher belmont is just one of the belmonts or whatever Mm -hmm. but in in castlevania 2 belmont's revenge his son soleil has his mind taken over by dracula
1: so you have to uh beat your son basically okay and they didn't want to call that like castlevania jr
2: no no, because Kid Dracula already was there, so Aww. confusing. Okay,
1: where's Kid Dracula on the timeline?
2: <laughs> uh, not not on it. It's, I think it's not right? canon. It's just one of yes. those
1: things that's like to
0: the side. What's funny? This is the funniest fucking trivia. I love the main villain of Kid Dracula is like the secret super hard boss of Symphony of the Night, which also stars Alucard. So it's just funny. That's incredible. A, that's cool. It's incredible. What a what what a game. <laughs> All right. Here's a question for you, uh, to the whole to the whole panel here. Which Castlevania
1: one is canon? Uh, mm-hmm. Um, uh, the, like, the one that matches up with the most recent entries.
2: <laughs> Obviously, it's Castlevania Chronicles. Um, is
1: it? Is that obvious? Was no, that
2: a joke? I was, I was being stupid. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know
0: um co- i looked this up beforehand because i was dying to know because obviously there's haunted castle the arcade game there's castlevania right. one for the famicom then there's mm-hmm. obviously what you say, castlevania chronicle slash 6800 version and then there's fucking super nintendo castlevania 4 which is also the same like story uh, according yeah. to igorashi it doesn't really matter it's like the same... He says it doesn't matter, but he would say the NES one if you had to fucking name That it makes Google. sense. Yeah, I think that makes sense.
2: Like, a lot of the Castlevania timeline is really just sort of, like, piecing the relationships of the Belmonts together, which I think is really fun. So really all you need from that one is, like, Simon Belmont is there, and he beats Dracula because uh, he's really strong. And... He's like one of the few to actually like have that legitimate one-on-one. Yeah, with he just did it by and himself. That's why. Yeah. yeah, exactly.
0: But but I also think that's the hard part for like obviously when it comes to like at adapting Simon is the most famous Belmont, but because he's alone, it's really hard to make
1: like a plot. Well, yeah, he's he, he just he's
2: just buff as hell. He was like in, yeah, he was in <laughs> Captain
1: in the Game Master.
2: <laughs> true.
1: True. That's true. 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 And his, I, I can't. I can't ignore that one. And his whip was sentient. Uh, is that in the lore? Sword. Yes, the whip
0: is. The whip has like a spirit inside it. Yeah. Okay.
1: Okay. Yeah. Okay. They had like that their. Is, that is lore. That is lore based. They had yeah. their skyward sword where they explained the whip. That I said it earlier. Lament of Innocence. I said that. I call that one Lamau of Innocence. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. We, we gotta keep going. Okay. okay but yeah. that is
0: not the only Simon game. There is also a second one, Simon's Quest, and yeah. M- Murph, did you catch the Simon's Quest reference in Rondo? Uh,
1: what a terrible night for a curse, you fucking wanker! No, the
0: first, the the <laughs> first town, the first town is officially one of the towns in Simon's.
1: Quest. I didn't. I haven't played Simon's Quest. It it, it
0: just
1: it, it is what it is.
0: I, okay. you can yeah. just tell by like the sprite work, and also there's a sign that says the name of the town. Anyways, uh, in that game, Simon has to prevent a cult from uh, resurrecting Dracula. He has to collect scattered body parts and burn them, and uh, that's it. Wow!
2: He's also doing it because, like, it turned out Dracula actually like bit him or whatever, right? Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, He has. He's cursed. Yeah. It is interesting that they were like, okay, Castlevania one, Castlevania two, direct follow up, Castlevania three. Prequel set hundreds of years mm-hmm. before. That's because they knew they fucked up with two. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. That's is that the reason why we have, like, the the Belmont clan? Is because Castlevania 2 was bad? Quite possibly.
0: <laughs> I I think that's totally on the table. I don't know if, I don't know if that's possible. ever confirmed.
2: Yeah. It's cool because, like, the whole thing is, like, every hundred years Dracula comes back. And then, like, the way the timeline works, it's like, there's, like, the legitimate dracula fights and then there's like some asshole trying to like cheat and bring dracula (laughs) back in a different way and it's always like the belmonts that actually like go toe-to-toe with dracula in some way or another so it's like trevor simon uh richter they're all they're positioned as these like really important pieces of like the belmont line and they get to like they get talked about, they get back reference. They're, they're like really important, especially the guy will be talking about. Like, yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Uh, but funny. You say that last bit about, uh, not actually fighting Dracula, but fighting some dude that like kind of wanted to be Dracula. Cause that's kind of what's going on in harmony of dissonance. So harmony of oh, dissonance yeah. totally. this is also interesting because juiced the Simon juiced Richter generation gap is very slim. So, simon's quest is 1698 harmony Mm -hmm. of dissonance is 1748 so that's about like 50 years later right so simon's technically possibly alive he has a grandson named juiced so this is a pretty direct line here and uh basically his friend maxim has like it has like a pent up like thing going on, so his psychic repression has created an evil castle. Is making like a phantom Dracula. It's not real Dracula, but with Dracula's remains and like death orchestrating things, it like becomes this weird scenario. Point is, it's a good game. I like I like Harmony Dissonance oh, a, very a good lot. Game.
2: People are so unfair to the it. Game.
0: It might be my favorite Igavania. Um I've recently replayed it juiced moves so well and he also has such a good magic system and He's those so cool. two th- those two things alone make the game for me the the map you know it is what it is but
2: yeah the soundtrack like i don't understand how people hate on the soundtrack so much
0: i i agree it, and the visuals are really good because they just came off the of circle of the moon so they're like what if we make this game pretty um, right
2: anyway so circle can... of moon's the real stinker honestly
0: we have done a DD cast episode on that with Pavlos. Uh, it, it, you know, there's good things about it, but like playing it back to back with Harmony and Dissonance or even Aria, you're like, oh, yeah. wow. Circle's not.
1: Yeah, there's something exactly. wrong with
0: it. Um. Anyways, so like 50 or 1792. So like another 50 years. Mm-hmm. Juice's grandson is Richter Belmont. And uh, we will talk about Rondo of Blood later. So we're just going to skip that one. But after that is Symphony of the Night, five years later. Yep. And how do you feel about Alucard?
2: Um, I, I mean, he's cool. Um, yeah. yeah, he's all right. Yeah, like, I, I don't know. It's like...
1: Murph, how do you feel about Alucard? Do you know Alucard yeah, but... is played by Yuri Lowenthal? Oh, my God. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> You
1: just Who have is that Yuri
0: <laughs> Lowenthal trivia in your back pocket. Yeah. <laughs> this I, castle is a creature of chaos.
2: Wait, wait, wait. Alucard in the original dub? Or the, 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 no, he's
0: the, 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 the current. current. Okay,
2: oh, okay.
1: okay. Uh, Alucard um, is a, you know, a cool concept. Um, he's a lot cooler than his name being Dracula spelled backwards would suggest. <laughs> you know? Um
2: I love it. Oh just just wait. Just wait. It gets better than just Dracula backwards for Alucard. I
1: it it oh, is yeah. something where I wonder like <laughs> were people at the time being like, Oh my god, you get to play as Alucard again, the first time since Castlevania three You know? Or was Symphony really most people's introduction to Alucard as a character?
0: I think I think
1: I think Symphony was the the introduction. Is that just because oh, yeah. Symphony is one of those greatest games of all time so everyone's played it?
2: Well, it's weird cuz it was kind of a flop when it came out. So really? it's one of those games that like, yeah, yeah like it got, it got bad reviews. Being, yeah. Because huh.
0: it's like it's a 2D game. Why would I play that when I have these amazing 3D graphics? Oh. Yeah, exactly.
2: That was the narrative. So you got to go play
1: Curse
0: of Darkness
2: <laughs> or Crash Bandicoot.
0: Oh my! God. Well, no, uh, it was it was released along not alongside, but its contemporaries were the 64 games. So they were like, "64 games look amazing. Why does Symphony of the Night feel like a step back?" And um, it does use a lot of sprites from Rondo, but no one can deny Symphony of the Night looks good.
2: Oh yeah, looks good, sounds good. Yeah. When um, I music, like, anyways.
0: I I think alucard is 10 times better once kojima does the art not hideo kojima i mean the concept artist but like Mm -hmm. i think the bella lugosi uh castlevania 3 uh alucard doesn't hit the mark i think he's not a fun character in game and he doesn't really evoke a lot but symphony of the night really makes him good and
1: in terms of release order like mm. this is where Castlevania starts getting like a full-on plot, right?
2: Pretty yes. much, yeah. It's it's where the Iga uh, kind of first like he's not he's not like in charge in charge at this point, but he does basically like take the lore book and like do something with it.
0: Yep. Yeah, and yeah. I mean like there are references to Castlevania three multiple times in Symphony of the Night. Yeah. Um, So that's always really cool. Um, There's like a fake Trevor, fake uh, Sifa, fake uh, Grant fight. And there's also a time, the best, one of the best interactions in the game is the first time Maria, who's like 16 years old or whatever at the time, Mm -hmm. mentions Belmont. She's referring to Richter. Alucard literally like has like a, bubble over his head like a bob bubble and has (laughs) a sprite it's a sprite of Trevor like in (laughs) NES style that's really fun that's cool um but anyways after that because of the events of Symphony of the Night Richter relinquishes the vampire killer he is like no Belmont shall do it ever again um we'll see how that goes but there was a clan so technically um this part Technically, there is Castlevania: Order of Ecclesia, where you play as Shenela. Right. Um, how do you feel about this? Since you're so excited.
2: I thought we were going to talk about Bloodlines. I forgot that <laughs> 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 See this next, but I do like that game. It's interesting in a lot of ways and very challenging. Um,
0: it's weird being the last EgoVania for the DS.
2: Yeah, because it's so because like, it's not off on its own.
0: Yeah, it's it's its own thing. Um. But I like it, yeah. And then we can go, we can finally go. All right, you were so excited. Castlevania Bloodlines. Uh, John Morris, not Jonathan, but John. Um, really World
2: good. World War One, baby.
0: Also important to note that uh, this is canon to. Um, I think the original Dracula, the actual Bram Stoker's Dracula,
2: happens. Right. Yep. Yep uh the Mor- morris uh john morris is like the son of the guy in the book who kills dracula
0: quincy
1: morris i believe yeah right? yeah i don't know I, I, he's either I'm his son or league.
2: his grandson but yeah, yeah, yeah so the van helsings
1: it, are canon to castlevania lore yeah
2: <laughs> yes. i don't think the van helsings are ever mentioned
1: no they're not but if, yeah. if we assume
0: that the yeah. Yeah, 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 is yeah. canon, yeah that's funny just imagine being Van Helsing and then just like, oh, no one cares. It's all No one cares. Lines.
2: Upstaged by the Belmonts. Oh.
0: Um, I like Castlevania Bloodlines a lot. And it also has, notably, uh, another playable character. Um yep. Eric LeCard. And, like, Iga, Igarashi, like, kind of hinted that maybe, like, something's going on. Because Eric LeCard holds the Alucard spear. So mm-hmm. that's never answered, but there's something going on
2: there. Right and it's also uh it takes um another cue from like i don't know if you want to say like history or not but like the whole the the whole like not dracula that villain is yes
0: it's a a different vampire
2: yeah elizabeth bathory or however you're supposed to pronounce
1: it.
0: interestingly enough have y'all seen requiem yet
1: yes i watched it all today in preparation
0: She Wait, is the boss real? of Bloodlines. Yeah. She's
1: the final, like, she's the bad guy of Bloodlines.
2: Yeah.
0: So that's interesting. And I like the, well, I guess we can talk about Nocturne later or whatever. But, like, yeah, <clears> no, that I like Bloodlines. And then it goes into uh, Jonathan Morris uh, from Portrait <laughs> of Ruin, 1944 AD. So it's World War II. Um, You're with Charlotte. Um, yeah. and you team up. And it's a really good game. I love Portrait of Ruin. Um, I do, too. They take a step back in like the actual like character concept art, but the game still is fun. It's still really good. Um Yeah.
2: And they I, do interesting I, things with the story.
0: Yep, oh. uh namely oh. that they bring back uh the they bring back one of the people basically. Um I don't remember the fucking guy.
2: From it's, from Bloodlines or Yes. Yeah, lacard He's like a ghost yes. or something. Yeah.
0: yeah, he's like a ghost because I think if I remember the lore right, his daughters are like the twin vampires, right?
2: Yeah, something like that. And um, Jonathan Morris, obviously John Morris's son. And then you get like, you get whip lore in this one.
0: Yes, this is the whip lore one because he is not a Belmont. He uh, he is not worthy to wield the whip. But you start the game with it. It's not very good, and I think it hurts you. But you have it to do it.
2: Go ahead. I'm sorry. It, it turns out that like that's why his dad died is cuz he used the vampire killer too much. It it killed yeah.
0: him. And there's a side quest where you can actually use the whip in its full capacity and it is pretty much one of the best weapons in the game. And so uh, and uh, it, it is the secret Richter boss fight cuz you fight technically like yeah. the last Belmont who had the whip. So that's super fun. Yeah. And then we're finally getting to the, the quote-unquote modern era. I still consider the year 2000 to be modern. Because that's how old <laughs> I am. Right. Uh, 1999, there is no game. But Julius what? Belmont gets the whip again and kills Dracula. For like yes. the final time. He murders Dracula. That's not he murders a game. Dracula, Dracula so hard.
2: actually dies. No. It did not have a game.
0: Uh... Because Aria of Sorrow is, like, a bit after it, and Mm. it's about that. Does that make sense? Yes, sure. So, like, in 1999, Julius Belmont murders the fuck out of Dracula, and then what happens is Dracula, like, kind of splits and reincarnates into different people. Okay. Does that make sense? I think that's the only way to explain it. Yeah, you're okay. Okay, you're good. Um, and so Soma, spoiler alert for Aria of Sorrow, is one of the reincarnations. And so you're going through the game like that, and you're fighting other reincarnations of Dracula. This game's set yeah, in 2035. It yes, sure it's in is. the future. Yep.
2: And it's also the part where Alucard gets even sillier with his name.
1: <laughs> how? Yeah. How so?
2: So the the story is basically like Alucard does his stuff in Symphony and then he helps with the stuff in 1999 and then he basically is like kind of existing in the background as like the Dracula police um and to conceal his identity he takes on the new name of Ginya Arikado <laughs>
1: <laughs> Hold on totally not
2: Alucard <laughs> Arikado
1: I see. Not the same
2: guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's so silly.
1: Is this are these the ones where in the Netflix show the when the Bill Nye character is falling through time and he sees a mecha from Battlefield twenty one forty two? What? Is, this, is that what I don't this is from? That.
0: I don't remember that. There's not like heavy future stuff. Like you could get like a gun in Aryo yeah. Sorrow, but like it's not like heavy future. Okay.
2: It's like very realistic-ish future.
0: I mean, I think that's one of the few times where it's like, ah, oh, in the distant future, things will b- pretty much be the same. So I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> playing cyberpunk when it's like 2013 and it's like just the same shit. It's like it's completely right. different. It's wild. Anyways, so uh, Dawn of Sorrow happened. Go ahead. So where's
1: like, huh? So that- what? So stuff like the N64 games aren't canon, or they just don't know where to put nope. them in canon? Nope.
0: Well, a little nope. bit of that, but yeah, basically there's no good spot for them, and sometimes they go against canon.
2: Yeah. When Iga kind of took over as, like, the Castlevania producer, and he, like, made the, the for real, for real timeline, he, he took a few games out of it just to, like...
1: Okay, they didn't have the balls yeah. to do, like, the Zelda thing of, like, this is the timeline where Trevor failed.
2: Yeah, it's it's one timeline. Thank goodness.
1: Okay. Okay. Fair I'm enough. not gonna lie. Yeah. I think Circle of the Moon could have
0: been canon. Uh,
2: it could have. Uh, there seemed to be some like weird beef there because he was like, hell "Yeah, he no didn't that like game. the not game." <laughs> yeah, yeah. He did not like game.
0: <laughs> Dawn of Sorrow happens, and then uh, we pretty much caught up. That's that's the end of the timeline. That happens yep. in 2036.
1: Yep. Well, are we, are we counting so the much... pachinko machines?
0: Oh my god!
2: Probably.
1: <laughs> oh,
0: there's a kid Dracula timeline. All right, get this, get this. Oh, yeah. It's one one seven nine seven A.D. That's the that's the reason why it's not canon. Is it takes place so far in the future? Uh huh.
2: Sure. Oh okay okay okay. <laughs> Makes sense.
0: Yeah. Uh, are you all ready to talk about the game of the week?
2: Uh, yeah, just like I just want to point out one more thing about the timeline. I think it's really interesting, uh, especially as the series goes forward, is, like, the 1999 thing has such, like, a fun mystique about it. Yeah. Because, like, it kind of of becomes this, like, focal point of the, like, latter half of the overall story. Yeah. But it's just never depicted. And And Julius
0: is such a cool Belmont. Yeah. They're
2: just like, like, the Battle of 1999, some real shit happened. The moon was involved.
1: It's weird to think about a Castlevania character... Like, being there for the rise of grunge? <laughs> I was
0: imagining a Netflix 1999. It was like, Julia's listening to Nirvana. I'm like, I'm kind of about it.
2: Okay. Oh, he probably does.
0: Very JoJo's. The problem with JoJo's is, as well is it just went to modern times too fast. Like, it was just mm-hmm. like, let's just give up on it. Let's just, you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, well. Anyways, let's, let's, let's talk about Rondo of Blood. All right. This week's game of the week is Castlevania Rondo of Blood. Rondo of Blood was a game that released in 1993 in Japan for the PC Engine Super CD ROM system or TurboGrafx-16. And it was directed by Toru Hagahara. Hopefully I didn't butcher that. Uh, the game was remade as Dracula X in 1995 um, for the SNES. And then there was a PSP remake in 2007. And then the Wii Virtual Console finally released the game like on its own in 2008. Um, an evil sorcerer named Shaft and his cult have revived Dracula. And they've kidnapped many of Transylvania's maidens. Richter Belmont, the newest in the bloodline of Belmont's, has risen to the occasion to murder Dracula you will be going through many classic Castlevania stages with some unique level variations and routes. You'll also team up with another player character named Maria and have access to a new ability called Item Crashes, which are special moves for your sub-weapons. Your mission is to stop Dracula once and for all. Well, at least until Symphony of the Night. Everybody, what did we think of this game?
2: 10 out of 10. Th- it's a good
1: game. This was a very disappointing adaptation of Castlevania Nocturne. <laughs> I mean, half of the characters don't even look like their original designs. There was no Aztec vampire who said, Little soy boy Belmont. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh my goodness. the
1: <laughs> uh, Game's tight. The game's tight. Um, game's good. I think what I was feeling most about this game is this feels like a flex like from a production angle, like the music and the graphics, like this feels like one of those games, like that is designed to show the tech of a system, get you to yeah. s- like buy systems. And I don't know if that's like ironically funny, if it's from a system that technically only had like what, six <laughs> games total, the, the TurboGrafx, <laughs> Turbo-Grafx- Super CD. Um.
2: Yeah. Uh, I-, I actually tried looking up uh the whole TurboGrafx family thing, Uh, just do some research and see if, like... Because, like, the Analog Pocket can play certain TurboGrafx games, and then they're doing, like, a duo. And I was just looking through the lists and the different SKUs and, like, CD versus cart versus Mm -hmm. other cart, and I was just like, "Uh, never mind. I'll just play Rondo on PS4. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Yep. But uh, this is, like... I'm going to say, of the three and a half Castlevania games I've played... Which is Castlevania 3, go listen to the episode listener. Uh, Castlevania 1, the, the original, the NES, and most of Dracula X. Okay, I lied, it was two and a half. Uh, this is probably the easiest, and I don't really know if that's hmm. because now I'm better at Castlevania games or they're just being more conscious of the player's time uh, with some of I these think checkpoints. It's both. Yeah.
0: I think
2: it's both.
1: But this is this game, to me,
0: is easier than the NES games, but can still be challenging. And I think you've gotten better,
1: probably. Yeah, but I think it comes at a weird trade-off where, because I was clipping through it, a lot of these... A lot of the game just isn't very memorable to me compared to something like Castlevania 3. Like, Castlevania 3, I can remember a lot of the levels from that. Maybe because I spent a lot of time there, but also they they just had more interesting gimmicks to them. Like, nothing in Rondo of Blood feels like it comes close to, like, the cave with the falling blocks and the acid dissolving them. Or something like that. No, there's
0: no spe- There's not a lot of specific set pieces, and a lot of like the specific stuff is very niche. And like, I guess the other reason why you may have had problems remembering things is this is a complicated level design. Yeah. So like, in terms of routing, instead, to me, this game is like a. Se- if I had a thesis for this game, it would be like it's a very like sequel to Castlevania three in terms of having another valid playable character that's fun and engaging on it on their own. So Maria is like one of the best alternate player characters I've played in a Castlevania. And Mm. then the other thing is, is the stage routing. So Castlevania three has you choose between stages in between stages here. They decided to pocket that into the level design. So there's really like, oftentimes there'll be like two different levels or like two different hierarchy tiers to a level. So if you fall, let's say you fall down a pit, you'll go, Mm -hmm. instead of dying instantly, what's going to happen is you're going to fall down to a lower portion of the level. And that will be a separate route, or there'll be a hidden thing that allows you to go to an alternate level or an alternate boss. So in terms of that, the game can be a little confusing.
1: Yeah, but that's also part of the bit that's, like, forgiving about it, because it has, like, that Castlevania knockback when you get hit, and the knockback in this game can sometimes get, like, really egregious, in my opinion, but if you get Hmm. knocked back into a pit, that doesn't mean the game's over, it just means you're on a different route. Um, Yes. And the first time that happened, that, like, blew my mind, I was, like, setting down the controller, like, alright, let's start from the beginning, and then I was like, oh no, wait, I'm still playing.
0: I think that's yeah, it's cool.
2: it's also got the uh, a level select. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
2: Like, you get game over, it's not a total wash. You can you can start from whatever level that you left off on. You know, as long as you don't care too much about your score. Which, no. like, who does?
1: Uh, no, I don't. If I met someone who, like, wanted to know what score I got in Rondo of Blood, I'd, I'd immediately run in the other direction. They're like some sort of replicant. <laughs> <laughs> Notably, I think you can use, if
0: I know, like, I don't know how it works, but there's, like, also to make this game forgiving, there's, like, a demo mode where you can see, like, how a person plays the bosses. Mm. So you're Mm -hmm. like, oh, man, this boss is too fucking hard. What the fuck do I do? There's, like, a thing where you, like, pay in points. I don't know if it's the money you get or, you know what I mean? But either way, you can see someone play the game. So that's
1: really effective, too. Mm Mm-hmm. And it helps that Maria and Richter like have their strength very clear strengths and weaknesses. Like at the very start, you're like, oh, Maria is easy mode, but then she takes more than two hits and it's game over. You know? Yeah. Right.
0: That's why I don't play Maria. Is is like I like the room for error. Does that make sense? Yeah, Richter feels yeah. much better for bosses. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep, and uh, Richter can also like obviously Richter is stiff, and I guess that's the other thing is is like Richter's very as opposed to say Super Nintendo Simon who like you know can whip in you know eight directions or whatever. This Richter is very clearly a fucking Belmont. He plays absolutely. Like, he plays like all the other Belmonts, but he does have some other like unique quirks to him that sort of make him feel okay so he's got the backflip and he also has this weird move I don't know if you figured it out Murph but like when you throw the whip if you like double tap the direction your whip extends a little further
1: yeah no I I didn't know about that I was actually wondering about the moves because I remember when Richter and Simon got into Smash and they were doing the character preview Sakurai was like oh when Richter brings over some of his moves from Rondo of Blood and it's like, the backflip? <laughs> like, I was so perplexed. And
2: love the, the slidey thing.
1: Yeah. Um. I yeah. mean, a lot of that is also from Symphony.
0: So, like, a lot mm-hmm. of the stuff you saw was Richter in Symphony. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think a lot of his normals were borrowed from that. But, like, uh, like the final smash is the item crash. It's the
1: cross item It's crash. the grand cross, yeah. I never used too yeah. many of the item crushes. It always just felt more useful to have the item. Because in a lot of circumstances... I disagree the item crushes were just, like, screen wipes?
0: Yes, but you're forgetting something very important about the screen wipe, Murph. And it's not the screen wipe. It is
1: the invincibility. Ah. You're getting those iframes. Ah, frames. Yeah. Gotta yeah. get those
0: iframes, baby. I, I already... I mean, I played this game and I recorded it. So you're probably seeing footage right now of me going like, let's pop that baby right now during the Shaft fight real quick. Or the mummy. You know the <laughs> you know the mummy during the Shaft gauntlet, right? Mm-hmm. I, I just fucking... I wail on him when he summons, and then I do like one grand cross, and then he's done. I'm like, thank God. I just used the Bible. <laughs> oh, man, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I... <laughs> either way though i i think the other thing i like about this game is how cinematic it feels you're right it's very like tech heavy but like this is like the only castlevania game that starts like with momentum yeah like the game starts with richter like he's got like horses and then the grim reaper's like
1: -ah it's great the opening's tight you're You're on that carriage and then you land into town, and like that opening cinematic starts, and it's just Richter kicking ass. It's like it gets you pumped up. Like, oh yeah, this guy knows what he's doing.
2: And the music is so good. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, that first oh. track is just. I love when yeah,
1: Castlevania love tracks.
0: Really good. Go ahead. Oh yeah. Oh, I was gonna say. Um, interestingly enough, I I like looked this up. I don't remember his name, but the composer for these tracks, um, he specifically cited. As sort of one of the ways for progression in a timeline that he was heavily influenced, especially by the tech as well, by prog rock. You know how, like, Ooh, earlier that Castlevanias would have, like, groovy, funky stuff to them? That's still present here, but there's a lot more prog instrumentation here. And you definitely feel that. Yeah, synth, some guitar. You're like, yeah! I love when
1: weird. Castlevania tracks incorporate the creaking of a coffin opening.
2: That's just such a
1: that's such a cool element like it feels it should feel so discordant with what like the setting and tone is like you have this dark gothic castle with this ancient clan of vampire hunters and then suddenly Michael Jackson pops on the synth and it's thriller you know (laughs) but it just works it's great oh yeah it's good
0: vibes this is my favorite especially classic Castlevania this is my favorite Castlevania
1: that, that that checks out It is a little uh, it, it does throw you off a little When you actually get like your first cutscene And it's this <laughs> This twee 90's Like anime
2: Oh yeah It is yeah. it is very anime I'm Richter Belmont
1: <laughs> Hi my name's Maria Renard That's <laughs> <laughs> like, I love it Yeah um, Oh fun fact for you Brogan I uh Dar- I, this I, I don't topic. have my harmonica. I can't do Merv's voice acting trivia. Uh, d- d- the voice of Annette is currently the voice of Jury. Did you know that the voice of Dracula was the voice of Dio? Yeah, Patrick Seitz
0: Yeah, it was good. Amazing. I think
1: I think these I think these
0: voices are good. Obviously, the graphics aren't great during the cutscenes,
1: but there's not many of them. I, well, when you get to the last one with Richter and Dracula, and they're just like talking this half-translated, like poetry at yeah. each other. My favorite line was, "Of all the self-serving claptrap."
0: <laughs> it 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 is also
1: like it,
0: it's so funny because the Symphony of the Night intro dialogue is bad, but, it's but iconic. this is worse. But it's the same dialogue, like, it's not the same dialogue, but it's, like, the same sentiments. Yeah. That's what it's supposed to be. And this is worse. Mm-hmm. And it's less iconic, obviously, but I don't know. It's fun. Uh, the Dracula <laughs> fight's not that good.
1: No, I was going to bring that up next, actually. This is the one time I've beaten Dracula in one of these. And I, I didn't like fighting him in the blue dimension. That felt so disappointing as a backdrop.
2: Yeah, his, his second form is not fun to deal with in any way.
1: No. Especially because the, can... the boss fights in this are pretty dynamic. Like, you got that Wolfman fight. I, I, uh, I was stuck for a while on the Death fight, but it never frustrated me because I liked the setup. I like that you like fight mm-hmm. Death in the beginning, and then he shows up, and it's like, oh, this is a very typical fight with death in one of these games. But then he drops down and busts out the scythe and you're going like mono mano Like that's cool. Yeah. yeah. it's a great it's a great scene. Yeah.
2: Another thing I really like about the boss fights is they will have that like last uh oh. last move that they do when they're dying. It's like <laughs> yeah. it's such a cool move. It's game
1: cool game. until you get hit by it and, and you're on your like last hit. <laughs> you lose. It doesn't <laughs> it doesn't kill you. It doesn't? No, I died to it. No. I died to uh, Shaft's uh, last hit, the first time you M- fight Shaft.
0: Maybe Shaft, because Shaft may be one of those endgame ones. But, like, typically speaking, like, uh, like the early levels, those early bosses with their final hits don't kill you. Hmm, okay. Um, a lot of it's, the- like, just a flourish thing.
1: Yeah, and kind of feeding into yeah. what I said earlier, with the game, like being easy to its own detriment to a like, like to a degree is I, I clipped through a lot of these bosses, like on my first attempt, like sometimes I didn't Mm -hmm. even like properly register. It was a boss, like, like the Carmilla fight. I, yeah, Mm -hmm. I had to like, I was looking up a, uh, a guide as a sort of refresher before this episode. I was like, did I, did I do that? Was that like an alternate area I missed? No, no, I, I did that fight. I guess I just beat her so fast. Um, yeah, there's some weird boss fights in this.
0: I, I think the alternate section, like the alternate routes leave a lot to be desired, mm-hmm. especially when you get later on. I think like alternate level four and alternate level five.
1: Do you Do you want to tell us about alternate level five, Brogan?
0: Yeah, I will talk about it. So alternate level five is the worst level in the game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm um it is it is all enemies there's no boss at the end you can't access it without beating dracula beforehand um it's and it's just a reuse of all the other levels like it's just like a screen of each level basically but it's like remixed it's meant to be like the hard mode in terms of walking around and um it's frustrating the music's really good though it's like my favorite song in the game
2: the one with the bat bridge no okay
1: wait no at uh, the game or no. the level
2: <laughs> the the level
1: no the bat bridge no. is to the bat- block tower
2: yes okay. okay yeah
0: that's like mandatory that you have to you have to cross the bat bridge that do you want to talk about the bat bridge
2: <laughs> i mean sure why not i think like 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 to you guys's point like the game is fairly uh easy to get through. Until. uh, At least compared to other Castlevanias. But then you get to this bridge (laughs) and it's just like it's collapsing so it may as well be like an auto-scroller and it's just this constant barrage of
1: bats. Some of the bats have swords.
2: Yeah. And if you don't deal with them like the timing the way the game wants you to there's just no like coming back from it. Like if you make a mistake like you can possibly recover like there's times where like you're on a collapsing piece of bridge and you can jump at just the right time and get back on but it's like you're so far behind it's almost like trying to catch up in like a busy guitar hero section when you mess up and it's just, like your tra- brain just can't you get overwhelmed re- yeah, it definitely feels exactly. like one of those
1: older levels where it's like we want the player to burn through all their excess hearts yeah yeah um, yeah,
2: that's pretty then, much uh, I, the first time I beat it. It was just like, all right, I'm just gonna get the X, and I'm just gonna stop, throw, stop, throw, stop, throw, and they work. I
0: but. I don't know how y'all feel about this concept. I'm gonna introduce real quick. But I, like that bat bridge feels like an NES moment, and like the game is like it's hard to describe. I only noticed it when I was playing Richter this time around was, is a lot of the enemies require a lot of multi hits and have mm. like a lunge forward. Mm. So a lot of like the Richter gameplay is, is like I go in, I whip as much as I can before the animation happens a little like dark souls. And then I back away before the lunge happens. And yeah. there's not a lot of platforming. There's a little bit of it, but like manageable and, and, I think it's a huge departure from what the NES Castlevanias were doing in that sense. Because a lot of the NES Castlevania shit was a lot of, like, the Medusas. It's, like, Medusas and bridges that, like, fall, or, like, those Mm -hmm. spinny platforms. There's only, like, two sections with spinny platforms here, you know? Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, I think, like, a lot of the NES Castlevania games and... uh, it's kind of hard to talk about like three in terms of difficulty because of all the like anti-rental shenanigans that happen. Um, but I feel like kind of at, at their core, uh, they're, they're about like trying to make you slow down compared to like other games at the time. Yeah. They're like, what if we had like a hard Nintendo game, but it was more about like being careful and like making sure like you're safe before you jump, uh, recognizing like, patterns in like a a way that's less reactive than like Mega Man or whatever. Yeah. Um and then Rondo kinda like tries to speed up a little bit, I guess. Um and mm-hmm. to your point with like the lunging and everything. And I think that kind of carries on to later games as well. I like Symphony and whatnot. Yeah.
0: I think I think Murph, you said this to me privately Way back when we were just playing it, like um, like you were playing it like a month ago for the first time, you said that this feels like a bridge, like you could see the bridge between this and Symphony of the Night, and like yep. I agree, like for a lot of people they call Symphony of the Night like the the turning point, but I think the car was starting to turn
2: with Rondo
1: because this oh, yeah, Richter was
2: driving it, my car. This
1: combat yeah. feels way more about looking cool, and that's part of like the graphical flex part of it. Where, like, it looks cool. Like, you have this this backflip move, which is really satisfying to pull off. I did that a lot in the uh, the first mm-hmm. Shaft fight. I was backflipping over his orbs, and that just felt really satisfying t- to do. Um, I think the game would have actually benefited from having, like, more moves like that. More of these combat traversal techniques. And I think that's what they eventually mm-hmm. started leaning into with Symphony of the Night. Yep.
2: For sure, for sure. I, th- I think it also like, uh, you know, this 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 is like in retrospect uh, once Iga has the the reins, but I feel like a lot of that really fed into the whole like Richter as this like Adonis like himbo version of the Belmonts, like he's he's the strongest, but he's also like really like mentally weak, and and I think a lot of that comes from just. The way he's presented in Rondo, mm, he's he's the
1: yeah. he's the Hal Jordan of the Belmonts.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That
1: yeah. makes sense. Yeah.
2: Um, and and that that ends up feeding into like the later lore really heavily, and so on and so forth. But
1: you you want to okay, yeah. you want to know my my moment of gamer weakness playing this that, right. that I'm just kind of done with in games like this. No more no more seeking projectiles. In games where you don't have omnidirectional attacking, that's that's what I'm gonna say. Uh, I felt like it, when I did find moments of bullshit, it was because of the enemy had shot out some sort of seeking projectile that I had no way mm-hmm. of actually like hitting due to like the spacing and how fast it was moving. It always felt like free damage. And that was something the NES games had a lot, like back in the Castlevania 3 episode, we talked about a lot of the bosses there were just dudes that floated around towards you. Um Yeah. And this this game has less of that, but it makes those moments of frustration um like with the bat bridge, that much more apparent.
2: Mhm. Yeah. yeah, I think that's part of the whole like slow down thing, like the way the way the whip animation is so specific. In the way like it it's only out for this period of time and there's recovery if you throw it out uh too too late too early I forget but like there's a certain way like if you're gonna jump and do the whip like you really have to be careful um, and I think that's sort of like them trying to enforce that with boss fights mm-hmm. it's like this this guy's floating around on the screen if you're just jumping around you're you're gonna get smoked
1: mm mm-hmm. yeah
2: but to your point yeah it can be really frustrating yeah and because of your like lack of control and
1: part of that frustration is because like we talked about is the combat looks so cool so the moment that you face these moments of like uh, have, i don't know mechanical like slow down it mm-hmm. feels like sure. something's something's lacking like the their production isn't quite lining up with the mechanics. And that's another thing that bleeds into Symphony of the Night.
0: Well, I think I felt
2: something similar to what you're saying there. Like the first time I played the Rondo remake on PSP,
0: mm. yeah,
2: there was like something about the way the game felt to move around in versus like the way kind of attacking worked that... F- just didn't feel like intuitive at the time and i bounced off it for a long time and then when i finally played the original was just like okay this feels a lot better and i think that's i think uh, what you just described is is why
0: Mm -hmm. um before we get to the because i want i do want to talk like briefly about the remakes and all that um I, I will say the other thing I like about the graphics and like the setup and presentation is there's just like little moments in the backgrounds that feel super cool. Mm-hmm. Did y'all notice in like level two before the werewolf, like when you get into the castle, like the werewolf eyes start to follow you. Yeah. Y'all see that. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. that's so cool. Stuff like that is like what makes the game. Cause like Castlevania is like very much like an aesthetics game as well. And I think Rondo, because of its tech, really succeeds in aesthetics, at least during the actual moment-to-moment gameplay.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's For that sure. that level specifically is done to like sort of fuck with you a bit because it's it's oh it's the entrance to Dracula's castle. I've done this is the first level of Castlevania One. You know the layout is the same, and then the walls explode, and there's like this half-formed Minotaur creature follow chasing you
2: oh man
0: yeah and during the chase is like the first maiden you can rescue and it's Maria and like that's such a weird key to find
1: Mm -hmm. you know what I mean but it's something you notice as you're running from it like I immediately picked up because I was hitting the candles I was like hey that was a key I need to go back and get that key like I didn't even know there was a rescuing maidens mechanic I only rescued one maiden
0: um yeah yeah, well R.I.P.
1: the maidens then Mm -hmm. maidenless (laughs) absolutely maidenless behavior (laughs) (laughs) truly um the maidens
0: are super helpful though in in the remake they make the maidens more helpful in in an obtrusive way by like creating obstacles in routing that forces you to save maidens beforehand Mm -hmm. so basically Mm -hmm. like in the remake you can access all the maidens But there's, like, these walls. And if you rescue a maiden, you'll be able to break down the wall so you can access further routes. Um, I don't like that system, but I do appreciate the idea of being able to save the maidens in one go and not in an obtuse way.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess it's kind of their way of making it so rescuing the maidens has more of a payoff, I guess. Yeah. Um, Like, there's, like, a mechanical you are having an easier time because you went out of your way for this extra thing. Yeah. Uh, And and that
2: kind of, like, uh, ties in... It's been a while, but, like, isn't, like, unlocking the Symphony and Rondo original ports kind of, like, related
0: um, I don't remember how the Rondo port is accessed. I remember how the Symphony port is accessed in PSP. Don't ask me how I know this. It's in, like, level three. It's an alternate level three. It's, like, in one of the gravestones you hit. Um, yeah. In one of the moments. you, it's it Basically, yeah, they're secret items. You, you would get them in from uh, random pickups or whatever. It's a really cool thing. I don't hate the remake. There's some really cool cinematic moments, and there's voice acting that's better, and they sort of, like make the plot more understandable and digestible like Annette is more of a character and like it's much more like Dracula's kidnapping Annette because she's Richter's girlfriend okay and like there is a payoff to not rescuing Annette in the uh yeah. PSP re- in the PSP remake if you do not rescue Annette she becomes the boss and she's she becomes a vampire um yep. so that's super cool. And uh, that that was also apparently take I've not played like fully into the Super Nintendo Dracula X, but apparently that is a like a semi mechanic in Dracula X for the SNES. Um, um if you don't save Annette, she, apparently she becomes Carmilla. Yeah.
1: So I, I replayed a bit of Dracula X um for this cuz now yeah Dracula X was the first Castlevania game I had ever played. Um, mm. And so, I having played Rondo now, I went back to it. Um, it, it is a noticeably, I'm going to say it is more of a classic Castlevania game. Um, yeah. Sort of counter to those reasons we were talking about earlier, it just feels more like a classic Castlevania game. And because of that, it feels like it has a lot of the cool factor of Rondo sanded off for a more functional mm. experience but that results into something that feels like even more forgettable to me.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that's, that's pretty on the mark there.
1: Yeah. Um, what was your favorite sub-weapons to use? I am always an axe or a holy water man. The axe oh, is the just satisfying. holy water fine. has a good effect. Yeah.
2: yeah. Something we- about the boomerang and rondo is just just feels really strong. Even I love the cross, yeah. man.
0: I'm a cross man, and especially in Rondo, love me some crosses, dog.
2: Oh, yeah.
0: It's beautiful.
1: Um, any final thoughts on Rondo? I feel like we're wrapping up. No, it's just... Um, it's it's a shame that it was, like, sort of obscured for such a long time, you know? Because this feels like an important game. But... yeah, Especially for the franchise, because it leads into one of like the most famous games ever you know yeah um but yeah it's just it's a good little artifact i agree yeah it's
2: it's definitely my favorite of of that kind i guess people call it classic (laughs) vania
1: that's what Um, pre metroidvania uh, yeah
2: exactly like like the the difficulty factor of it like makes it easier to just kind of like jump back into it and enjoy it um Without having to to think too hard, like if you replay Castlevania three, it's like you gotta you know you gotta prepare. It's not a good podcast <laughs> for game. It Mentally, yeah. No. With Rondo, you can just be like you can just kind of enjoy the the bright colors and cool music and everything. <laughs> yeah, um,
0: the the colors are great. Yeah, I love Pops. And, and then I just
2: I just love how uh I love how Richter is just so crucial to like all the goofy lore stuff.
0: You know, I remember Murph semi aside here. I remember when we were oh ranking Smash here Bros comes. characters. And you're like, you know, I'm going to put belt, like Simon in I think A tier or something. And you were like, I'm going to put Richter in D tier. And I had to like beg. Uh. You. I had to like <laughs> beg you. I was like, please put Richter in the same at least same tier as Simon. How do you feel about
1: Richter now? Um in terms of smash? No, just in I, terms of like, oh, I get the appeal. I I definitely do get the appeal. I can see why people were excited for him to be in smash cuz other than Simon, and I'm going to say I'm going to say Trevor, he feels like one of the more iconic like Belmont characters outside of some of those like DS titles, I'm going to guess. Um but uh, yeah. yeah, I still. I would say it's Simon and Richter. It's just an odd thing for the Smash, like the Simon and Richter. I don't know. Something about that just still doesn't. It doesn't click in my brain. I think. I think it really just comes across as Sakurai was a huge fan of the Richter games.
2: He he loves Castlevania. He loves Fatal Fury.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And and you know what? Let him let him cook.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. You have to put Simon in. There's a gun to your head by Konami, but you can also throw in a Richter, and that's what he did.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to be fair, you also got Simon and Richter and Bomberman. So
0: I'm so sh- I I can't believe this is now a Smash podcast, but I can't believe Bomberman's a fucking assist
2: trophy. That's pretty heinous. Yeah,
0: it's, that's disgusting. There's it's like, like people are upset about Waluigi. <laughs> yeah. I but don't like, feel that way about Waluigi.
2: Yeah. Uh, the Bomberman is the real like Smash yeah. crime.
0: So what the fuck is this? Uh, Alucard is an assist trophy, as is a uh, zero from Mega Man. I don't know. I love Rondo of Blood. Uh, it's a great game.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I can see why got it got the Netflix for- adaptation.
0: Oh shit. Uh, what were your thoughts on the Netflix adaptation? It's good. I think I, it's not this game. No, that's for sure. Yeah, I
2: think I was worried going into it, but I I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. I although I have big questions. Okay. Go ahead, sir.
1: I think uh, the 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 first season of the first Castlevania series is one of those things where I, I went back and rewatched it because I was like. Was this, like, actually as good as my memory is telling me? Or was it just something that was, like, so shockingly better than it should have been that it sort of overrided any clear flaws? And I, I, think, I think the first two seasons of Castlevania, when it tells a complete story and they're not padding for something to do, like in 3 and 4, um, are good. They're competent. This feels good right out the gate. Rather than yeah. needing a an amount of build up, you know, yeah, and uh, I like I like all their character concepts. I think it is a good cast. Definitely,
0: I, I agree. And like, it's one of those things where it it it's it's conflicting because no, this is not very accurate to the source material, but I think it better utilizes its historical time period. Yes, and. Mm-hmm. And I think it does utilize the supporting cast better. It's not like Annette was like a very complex character here. Um, I could see sometimes people complaining maybe about the Richter Maria dynamics or like things like that. I I think that stuff is meant to be like ironed out and like progressed on as the series goes. So I'm willing Mm -hmm. to give it that shot. And ultimately, yeah, I just went in with an open mind and I enjoyed Nocturne.
2: Yeah, I think, like, where all my problems were, especially in terms of, like, reconciling it with the games, is, like, the Egypt stuff. And the fact that, like, the Bloodlines characters are in there. Um, yeah, and that's weird. Seemingly stopped. Like, I have so many questions about, like, if they plan to continue this. And I'm pretty sure, like... If Adi Shankar gets his way, they will. It, it's
1: gotten um, the green light for season two. It's it's in production. Yeah, it's just
2: like where
1: are we going there, to hear there's... Richter say, "Die monster, you don't belong in this world," except with a few more expletives.
0: <laughs> you don't fucking belong in this world.
1: <laughs> yeah. Okay. That was my. That's actually my biggest complaint. It it does the Assassin's Creed Unity thing of everyone in France has English accents. Yeah. I don't know why yeah. this is so hard for animation and video games to do. Are there just not French voice actors?
2: That's so weird. He he does the, the little anime himbo peace sign thing in the first episode. I I popped for that. Mm-hmm.
1: Who 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 um, do you think in this version is going to say what is a man?
2: They might give Al- it to Alucard.
1: Yeah.
2: Al-Gard. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I kind of it, it like it's fun I... to see him.
0: Yeah, it was. That was a really good like reveal moment. Was like yeah. at the very edge. Oh, Alucard's in this. Oh, that's awesome. And he's sporting his um, Symphony of Night box art look. They they went right for Symphony of Night right there. Oh yeah. Yep. They oh, did yeah. not. Um, I'm actually kind of glad they. You know, it was weird seeing juiced. Um, and like obviously <laughs> they they tinkered with some of the lore clearly. They um, made the
2: bad ending canon. Yes, <laughs> what does that did? mean? Uh, um, so Harmony of Dissonance has some like alternate endings, and the worst one is basically everyone's dead and Juiced is very sad. Oh, okay. And that seems to be the, the, the thread they went with for the show. Um,
0: yeah, it, it's kind of a bummer, but I hope... Juiced gets a payoff later But you know anyways I like the fact that they're not dealing with Dracula a bunch I think Literally a series where every season Dracula's the bad guy is a bad idea
1: Especially since they kind of Ran all their Dracula ideas in the First series And and like the Dracula
0: Characterization in that series Is like I don't want to fight I'm kind of borderline suicidal Yeah. So like there's yeah. not many places for him to go.
2: Mm-hmm. And like, to be fair, like in in the games, like he kind of, he kind of goes into more of a like Sephiroth kind of position at for a certain point where it's basically like, he's not even really Dracula anymore. He's just so, he's like a weird husky He's a copy monster. of a copy. Yeah, like he's just not himself anymore.
1: He, I
0: mean, um, like he says it thing. even in symphonies. Like, yeah, I'm and Rondo. Technically, he's like, I'm tired of being revived. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. y'all are the ones doing it. I'm going crazy here. And yeah, yeah And he
2: brings, he goes crazy, and then then they have to kill him with the moon. Um wow. But yeah, it, it's just like. Uh, I know that they 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 did a pretty interesting job like pulling from other games the first time, but it's like I, I feel like the connection between Richter and the other stuff later. Um, I I have a lot of fun with the bloodlines part where it's like Richter goes away, he loses, the you know the Belmonts go away. The, the I, I would like to dormant. see a
0: portrait of ruin. Uh, season. Yeah, like I would but want it, to see that.
2: It's like they they took the villains from that game and brought them in here in a way that doesn't really do anything for me. Um yeah. So it's like I just like what what's the trade off here? Like they're just, bringing I'm in confused. weird
0: shit. They brought in All Rocks, and I thought that was so weird to bring in All Rocks, who is I guess Murph does not know he is like a a, a boss in Symphony of the Night. That's all yeah. he is. He's he's like a Nosferatu guy. But they made him hot in this. Yeah. So that's
2: good. So, like, I feel like um, the writers, uh, they're not, like, I don't think they're hardcore enough that they actually, like, got a hold of it and read it. But there's a there's a novel uh, that is set, I believe, after Dawn of Sorrow that Orox is in.
0: Oh, snap.
2: And his personality my understanding in that book is very similar to kind of how he's portrayed in nocturne and that he's like more just kind of
1: observant fascinated
2: with humans yeah rather than like really having like he's not machinating problems with them yeah uh he's just kind of like this aloof weirdo who's just kind of around because he's a vampire (laughs) Um, so I thought it was kind of interesting that they sort of seemed to draw from that to some extent. I don't know if it was deliberate or just a coincidence or what. But
0: I do think they have like a lot of unique influences. Like I do like the Lords of Shadow, uh, Belmont Crest. They did that in the first uh, series. Oh, but yeah, yeah a lot stuff like that is cute. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I will see season two. I think we're yeah, wrapping sure. up. I think we're wrapping up I here. can hear the music. Lucas... Yeah, it, it's <laughs> happening. Lucas, where can we find you?
2: You can find me on Twitter at Hokuto no Lucas. Um, I'm also on Blue Sky. It's um, um, like the same name, basically. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much it. Uh, I read my stuff on Shack News, uh, hopefully other places as well. Um, past work, you can find me on Kotaku, on Prima Games. Uh, I think I mentioned Shonen Jump earlier. That was a long time ago, though, so don't worry about it. Uh, yeah.
1: All right. And Murph, where can we find ourselves? We are streaming on thetwingeeks.com. Uh, keep your eye out this October. I'm writing an article on my favorite top 10 benevolent Halloween movies. Uh, yeah, benevolent. Yes, benevolence. Uh, you can even go back and listen to the Twin Geeks episode I'm on where I talk about benevolent Halloween and what that, that means when you break it down as a definition. It's a term I coined, much like "groove getter" and "podcast game." <laughs>
0: okay, an innovator. Yes, <laughs> yeah, truly. Um, what What is our next game?
1: Our next game. Well, I hope you shutter bugs are ready because we're going. Uh, oh damn it! I we're gonna be leperop leopard <laughs> leopardopterists for a bit and go hunting some crimson butterflies in Fatal Frame 2. Crimson butterfly.
0: <laughs> wow, that was that was really good. Hell yeah! Thank you so much, Lucas, and uh, we're out.
1: Yep.
2: Yeah.